All right, welcome back, everybody. This is our podcast, Two Yoke Girls, and we are excited to have on Linda today. Hi. Linda Spoladero, who teaches at our yoga studio, and Eva. Hello. And of course, Lorraine and myself, I'm Jillian. And we wanted to talk about the, oh, that's what it was. Sorry, I just (laughs) lost my train. I can't hear you. Sound is off. (laughs) And the podcast is over. It's part over. No, well, can I? Now we can hear you. Yeah. Oh, should we start again? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not going to stop recording because. Yeah. Because, that's fine. Okay. Um, we turn up the volume. All right. Here it goes. Okay. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. This is Jillian. We're here today on our podcast, Two Yoke Girls, with Lorraine, of course. Hi. Linda. Hello. Who is our bar manager, one of our lead teacher trainees, our manager extraordinaire, and um, teacher at our yoga studio for what? How many years, Lynn? All the years. Yeah, all the years. Almost 10 years. And Eva. Hello. <laughs> Uh, we are excited to do this podcast because we just came off doing one with this group about our 200-hour training, and so we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into what makes not just our training, but our classes, our um, classes at the studio different than, say, a core power or a neighborhood yoga studio, um, and we have put in a lot of, I think, kind of time and effort and continual continual education and it's really set us into a direction that I think we think is different than a lot of places we started out with the name Lexington Power Yoga Yolanda and I chose Lexington Power Yoga because it represented the community we were in and I think we added in the power part because we were part of a community prana power yoga that it was power yoga and we loved it And so we started out as a power yoga studio, but I'm not even sure we knew what that meant at the time. And I would say that we've, while our classes do, I think, feel powerful, I would say they're not really in a power yoga camp, more of a vinyasa based that brings in functional movement and different modalities of um, fitness, like bar, personal training, that kind of thing. And so I think we wanted to talk or get a little bit deeper into why our classes take that tone, I guess. Right, Lo? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go right to Eva, who spent 500 hours with us learning the methodology and studying with mm. the likes of Johnny Gillespie, Alex Crow, um, to, to think about why we do what we do. And so I think we spend some time so that our teachers, when they're ready to get up and teach, if one of their students asks about any piece of their class, why did you do that? What made you include this? What do you mean when you said? Um, So Eva, I know that in the 300 hour, your final presentation was yoga for inflexibles. And I loved that you took where you started and created a teaching point from there. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the 
thoughts and reasons behind that? Sure, yes. It did feel like a full circle. Um, when I started yoga, I came to yoga, of course, because if you see all the doctors, nothing else works, you go to yoga. So I end up in yoga with low back pain. And what turns out I was very inflexible. So, <laughs> and then I was, it was very challenging because I didn't know what to do. Should I do what teacher shows me or the person next to me or the person on the other side? <laughs> um, and then you have, of course, the outside um, sources that tell you what it's supposed to look like. So it was very challenging, very confusing, but then the, the community itself, the teachers made me stay. Uh, otherwise I would run because I tried other studios and I run, but I stayed and I was curious. So what do I do? What do I do? The teacher training comes up. So I'm like, here's a way, maybe I will learn how to do it in my body. I can learn some, some um, wise things. How do I do it for myself? Um, and for sure, sure enough, <laughs> I thought I had already amazing teachers, more teachers came and many different perspectives. And oh, through the 200 hour, I learned so much. Not only I overcame some fears, but I also learned so much how to be myself, how to be confident in what I'm doing. I don't have to do whatever I see. I can just do what I feel. And it shifts, it changes. It's not one, you figure out the shape and it stays with you forever. It changes, it changes on your mood or what you eat, how you sleep <laughs> on the season. So that's what's important. Um, so through the teacher training, it was, it was a lot of ups and downs, but that's what happens when you, when you grow. And then I remember this, when I finished 200 hour teacher training, I, I was in California and I went to, to yoga just to take a class and it wasn't a style that I'm used to, but I just want to be in that space just to be on my mat. And it was the type of yoga that's very specific, very aligned. They tell you how your toes should be. And I'm okay with that. I'm like, do you think, just let me do my thing. But I didn't know it's, it's not an option. I didn't know that teacher is going to pause the class and tell me to strain my knees in my down dog because that's how it's supposed to be. And I was, I was even more confused <laughs> because I didn't realize there are places that don't create that safety space like you guys do. Like do whatever you want to do. If you want to sleep for 15 minutes, that, that's okay too. So I, I was just giggling. I, I couldn't believe what was happening in that class because we wouldn't proceed if I didn't strain my knees, but I couldn't strain my knees because my back would hurt. So I'm like, just leave me alone. <laughs> oh my God, Ev, I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. It was like, if I wasn't through that training, I would probably run out crying because it was very not right. <laughs> so I was just so grateful in that moment. I, I kind of whispered to him, I'm okay. I have some issues. Just, just continue, do your own thing. And if I'm disrupting the class, I'll leave, but I just want to be on my mat and I, I was hoping to do some yoga, um, but that's okay. So I left and it was a learning experience. Mm. And again, more grateful for what I went through with you guys. And so happy that the many versions of teachings you offer in one teacher training. So everybody feels okay as they are. So that's why I kind of did that presentation too with huge heart, because I know there are people like that, that they don't feel like they don't belong or they should be in there but it's okay 
there are many elements that is not just mental but physical that you know we go through and it's okay to to explore and do your own thing mm. yeah I think yeah. that brings us to accessibility really yeah what we're talking about yeah yeah so it, that's um I think that's how we want our classes to feel. And there's there's a lot of talk. I mean, there's a lot of talk about accessibility in general, but especially in the in the yoga industry about what makes yoga accessible. And I think one really great place you can start, or we we try to start, is by making people feel like the poses are accessible. And so I think we use the poses um, almost we try to use them as a teaching method to the bigger philosophy of, of yoga. And this is something Alex Crow has said that we, you know, have taken from her, or at least I have, it's that, you know, the yoga is um, this continual being aware, coming to awareness and then accepting it. So awareness and acceptance, awareness and acceptance over and over and over again, every breath. Um, and by creating a space that's only alignment focused in poses or requires the poses to look a certain way and not to internally feel that's the opposite theory as to what you're trying to teach, right? There's, you can't really come to an awareness and acceptance if you're telling somebody that they're not doing something correctly. And um, so I think we, what we try to do is look at those poses as a way to learn self-acceptance and to work with your body in the moment that it's in and not in the in tomorrow's moment or or when you can do the splits or in yesterday's when you were injured right it's everybody gets in their head with that stuff it's it's right there in the moment and so it doesn't have to look a certain way and i think we try really hard to create accessible language around what we're teaching Yeah, it's, um, there's a double edged sword being a teacher because, um, students do what you say <laughs> and it's, it can be a little bit, um, the first time I, I realized like, oh my God, people are doing what I say. It's the only place in my life people are doing what I say. So, you know, <laughs> so that's a lot of responsibility. So I think understanding that and then using the language wisely because just like ever had said earlier, straighten your legs, straighten your legs. If yeah. Eva wasn't taking our training, didn't already have it in her that she is in charge of her own body. She can assess, she can be aware, and she mm. can make her own decisions. Um, then she might've straightened her legs, left and had, and her back didn't feel good, right? So she harmed herself by listening to what that teacher was saying rather than listening to herself. And so I think that's what we try to do is let people be aware that it's not, you don't have to fit your body to the pose. You fit the pose to your body. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you start to adjust, you find it in you. Um, and that does come with cueing and language. So it's not straighten your leg or point your toe that way or bring, you know, gaze over your middle finger, right? Um, I'll give you the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> tell me to do that one more time. That hurts my neck. Right. So it's more, you know, shift this way, shift that way. Where do you feel your strength? And then people can make their own decisions. And, you know, that's, that's really the yoga, right? The, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think what I love so much about that, it goes back to what Eva said, that curiosity, 
it's the thing that essentially drew her to teacher training, maybe even drew her to yoga, is this wonderful curiosity. And I think you'll find it in the way that we cue. What happens if you straighten your legs? So in Eva's experience, it hurts my back. Listen to the answer you get. Adjust accordingly. Once you find where it feels good, take a breath. And then it's like, oh, fantastic. I'm going back to bending my knees and making sure it feels good. And I'm not holding on for dear life until you ask me to do something next because I don't like being here, right? So I think the when you teach with curiosity, permission, you try and find that beautiful sweet spot of listening, it starts to translate into what we're hoping yoga is, not just a 60-minute class once a week, twice a week, three times a week. It's really this listening, this curiosity that maybe you bring to your relationships or maybe you bring to other experiences in your life so that people feel seen or heard or your own experience is at the forefront beyond what society might be telling you you should or have to. And if it doesn't feel right, maybe there's a little more exploration or curiosity without so much pressure or shame or judgment, right? So we're trying to create spaces to get away from that stuff that can fester, especially if you don't talk about it or you're not even sure how to label it um, and move beyond. So it starts on your mat. feels really good when Linda gives me some space to just be myself. And then when I'm moving in a another space. Oh yeah. Felt so good to be myself. I'm going to do that again at the school committee meeting or when I'm making new friends or, um, so in any case, I love what, what you're saying. And I think that that's where we try and teach from. I think it also brings up these points about hypermobility, accessibility, and all the things that really get deeper into some of the movements and how we feel those rewards, right, in the reward centers of the brain when we do yoga, what feels good, and then how do we kind of play with that so that we're doing things that are also safe. And I think that might be another conversation, Jill, um, of how to read some of the cues and what your nervous system does if you tend to be somebody, like Eva said, who is tight in their muscles, but then there's even more to that. There's not just tension across the board. It could be something a little more nuanced. And I think we also tease that apart. So we could talk about this for days, right? But I want to give anybody a chance to jump in if there was something else that they wanted to add. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, the experience of both of our our teachers and the people in our in our classes, because um, there's an element of like, just tell me what to do. I'm here, like, just tell me what to do. And there's an element as a teacher, I write, there's a power dynamic here with a teacher and a student, and then also with a group class, you have all this going on. So there's definitely, first of all, your awareness of as a teacher, just knowing that helps. Um, but then as soon as you know it, there's the experience of the student and the teacher trying to navigate these spaces of what does feel right in their body for maybe 50 people in a room. Post-COVID, please be 50 people in a room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I don't even know where I was going to go with that now that I made that stupid joke, but the it's not an easy place to teach from, right? And it's sometimes not an easy place to practice from because you are asked to explore and there is no judgment, right? If you're there for fitness, you use the yoga to work out. If you're there to rest, you use the yoga to rest. If you're there to, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how it looks is what we want 
it to feel like so that people have the autonomy to explore um, without being put in a box that feels exclusive. And I guess that's what we try to do. And then also as a teacher and like as a practitioner, like this is why we practice downhill skier in place of a lot of forward folds because there is some practical biomechanics and like physical elements to the vinyasa practice that if done on repeat, which vinyasa is often done so much on repeat, is bad for your body. Um, So we take in some of those elements like downhill skier or separating your feet a bit in chair or what else, you know, we don't point gazes at certain directions uh, an awful lot. Um, Just because there are some practical things, but then there's also, you know, it all comes from a place of curiosity and exploring, we hope. Yeah. And I think something really quick that can be funny is a student's expectations, you know, so maybe they come to class and they definitely want to get some way or two in there and you're sequencing, you know, so I think that there is a nuance of just like you said, give me the answer, give me the pose, show me where to go is easier for the brain than figure it out. Like, can you find the nuanced place where it feels good? And it's like, no lady, just show me where to put my arms. (laughs) Right. So I think we're asking our students to do some of that heavy lifting of self-discovery and honesty and not easy. Um, But I will say that I think our community has come with us. Um, Some people kicking and screaming, others really, you know, delightfully, playfully having fun with it. So and it depends on the day. Some days I just want it. want an answer. Other days I'm happy to dance in the uncertainty. But I think we try really hard to give people a little bit of both. Like, here's a taste of the solution. Now you figure out the rest. So it's interesting. And I think um, it, that's why I know that I keep coming back is that nuanced space and trying to connect with as many people as possible and even butt up against their expectations um, so that they can do that and we can rediscover things together, not just on the map, but in, in this brave new world that is pretty crazy most of the time. Mm. Yes. Mm. And that can lead us right into a segue to say, go listen to our first podcast about uncertainty. (laughs) (laughs) Nice work. All right. I'm going to cut us off, allow it to be the end and we'll see you guys on our next one. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Ev. Thanks for being here. Oh yeah, this is Mike Gorgonzano. This is his track. Be a beat.